and preface. As a pastor, wouldn't you agree that pastors, sometimes God gives some spiritual insight and discernment, that, that gift to be able to impart some wisdom? You know, there's a lot of scriptural principles that we either have to read between the lines or God doesn't spell out every detail. And let's just face it that we're living in a day and age because of the world that we live in, fashions change about every three and a half weeks. And so there's no way that any pastor could keep up with all of the fashions, all right? And so there are principles. And so there will be some things that I'm going to say tonight that are based on not necessarily a black and white, this is what thus saith the Lord. There are some things that I'm going to say tonight that are not Baptist doctrines, they're not my opinions, but they're principles that God says clearly in the Word of God. And ladies and gentlemen, doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, we need to be focused on what God is saying, not what everyone else is doing. Amen to that? And so I'm not one bit uncomfortable with talking about this here tonight, but I will say this, I know that a lot of what I'm going to be saying tonight certainly goes against the grain of modern culture, and that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit in order to discern what, God, what do you want me to do? I don't want to just be up here and preach against everybody out there, I want to be able to help you not only in your Christian life now, but many of you are raising little girls, and uh, you need to understand that. And even if you're raising boys, boys, you need to understand what biblical modesty is all about, because one day you young men and you boys are going to be seeking for a, a spouse, a wife, and uh, you don't want somebody that is going to reject the Bible in favor of modern fashion. That's just, that's just, that's show us demonstrating something that is very lacking in a person's character and spirituality. Verse number nine, actually before we read verse number nine, I want to read verse number eight, where Paul says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, there's a principle in verse number eight that's relevant to what we're getting ready to say. Lifting up holy hands. All right, I know you got your Bible in your hand. Just, just raise one hand for me. Yeah, you raise, raise your Bible up, raise both hands. It, doesn't that kind of demonstrate something like, hey, look at me? Look at my hands. I'm not hiding anything. There's transparency right here. The Bible says here, I will that men pray everywhere, not just in the church, but out there. And I don't think that God's saying that if you're out there on the street that you have to hold up your hands and pray. But listen, we should not be ashamed or afraid to demonstrate our faith publicly. I mean, say praise the Lord. Or pray when you're in the restaurant. Or pray when we're downtown. When we get done with street ministry, we sing a hymn publicly. We're not doing it for everybody else, but we don't care what everybody else thinks of us. That's what Paul is saying here, that your Christian life should be something that you're demonstrating to the world around you. Why is that important? Verse number nine, what's the first few words say? In like manner. Boy, 
That'll put some theology, some doctrine into this principle. In like manner, also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, there's really two parts here to this passage of Scripture. There's the modest apparel part and then the authority part. What is the woman's place in the church and... uh, and so forth. And I don't think I'm going to have time for the second part, but I want to do the best I can to help you this evening, certainly on the modesty part. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for just the presence of your Holy Spirit here tonight. And Lord, it is a joy as a pastor to be able to teach these principles without, without feeling like we're in enemy territory Lord, I know the world out there is certainly an enemy of this principle. They don't want to hear it. They resent it. They reject it. And Lord, I know that uh, even in this congregation, Lord, we have varying convictions and beliefs about modesty. But I thank you, Lord, that there's a good spirit here. It doesn't feel like that we're in, in the midst of any animosity. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would ultimately, ultimately be our teacher and that you would help me to be a good pastor, teaching knowledge and understanding to your flock. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we know, I've already said, that this in like manner, it's talking about our Christianity being publicly displayed. Now, while the world has lost any sense of decency and modesty, Would you agree with me on that? There is just no sense of decency and modesty in our culture today. Uh, We were in Charleston when my niece was here this last fall and spent a couple days there with her. And there was a college there. We were, I mean, literally going around town there in Charleston, it was so immodest and so fleshly. It it was as bad, if not worse, than stuff that I've seen being out on the beach surf fishing. People walking by and looking over. And by the way, if you like to go to the beach, I highly recommend surf fishing. Even if you don't like to fish. Because you throw a bunch of lines out in the water and people just stay away. It works. They keep their distance for the most part. And I I personally kind of like that. No sense of decency and modesty in the world today. Now, it should be expected that Christians act different than the world. In every church, there are three classes of ladies. Number one, those who are distinctively modest and feminine. Number two, those who dress seductively and suggestively on purpose. 
Number three, those who have not been taught the biblical principles of modesty. Now, there is a companion passage of Scripture to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Hold your place and go over to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of line by line, verse by verse here to draw out uh, some principles that are right here in the Scripture. But I think it's imperative that we compare Scripture with Scripture, Paul really said as much, if not more, about modesty than any of the other apostles. And, you know, Paul didn't have a wife, by the way. Paul probably knew, maybe Paul could say some things that other apostles wouldn't get away with. I don't know. You know, Paul saying this about Adam being first formed, you know, Adam was, the woman was deceived and so forth. Maybe Paul could get away with that. I'm kind of joking here, y'all. But, all right, let's read here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. Likewise, there's there's always a connection, you know, likewise. God will talk to the man, how he's supposed to behave and so forth. These are all examples. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Listen, it's not your fussing and nagging, and even if, you're, even if you fuss at your spouse with the truth, with the word of God, you can quote scripture and whatnot, the Bible says that the power of your witness and testimony has to do with your subjection to him not your constant telling him what you think he ought to do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying that there's never a time when that's appropriate, all right? I think that men and women need to be able to communicate with one another. Ladies, you ought to be able to tell your husband what you think about something, but when it's all said and done, then you should be Uh, You should have a submissive spirit toward him if he chooses not to agree with your point of view. Verse number two, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, watch this, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair or of wearing of gold or of, watch this, putting on of apparel. The scripture here is talking about your adorning. And you need to understand that adorning is not the same as wearing. When the Bible says here, don't let your outward adorning be braiding your hair, and I'm just using modern terminology, or wearing some jewelry and so forth, the scripture is not saying that all of that is forbidden. What the scripture is saying is that you need to be modest and your adorning is what what you're drawing attention to. Nothing wrong with getting a hairdo, wearing a little bit of jewelry, dressing up and looking nice. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't overdo it. When you overdo it, then you're adorning those things. You're drawing attention to yourself. 
You're saying, hey, look at me. Look at how fancy I dress. Look at how sensual that I am. Look at, uh, look at, um, uh, look at who I'm um, associating with. You know, most styles today, always you can trace it back to a singer or, or movie star that, uh, have you ever noticed that um, all of the, the blue and purple hair that you see nowadays? I, I was asking about that, and I found out that there's a famous singer that they have, and I can't remember if it's blue or purple. Blue? Green. Green hair. Yeah, there's some famous movie singer or movie star that has green hair, and so now, monkey see, monkey do, everybody's got green hair. Now, I'm just speaking as a man, okay? Not as a preacher, just as a man, I don't get why anybody would think that that's attractive. You know, if they want, I, I'm not saying having green hair is sinful or wrong or anything. I just sometimes scratch my head and go, you know what? You would serve your purpose better not doing that. Once again, I'm speaking as a man, not as a preacher. All right. Now, so the putting on of apparel. If adorning meant putting, uh, putting something on, then that putting on of apparel would mean that you're not supposed to wear any clothes, right? Look, look at it with me. Verse 3, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair or of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. The scripture's not saying don't put clothes on. Au contraire. <laughs> Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Look, ladies, you want to look good, then dress up with a meek and a quiet spirit. That's the kind of jewelry and hairdo and clothing style that God looks down and says, wow, you look really nice. And by the way, I'm thankful. I've got a wife and a daughter that they dress modest and they, they, don't, you know, they don't have to look like uh, some religions where everything's gray. You know, I, I want to be careful. I want to be courteous of other religions, all right? Oh, that's right. Good one, Mitchell. You, you've seen religions where you can spot what religion that lady is from 100 yards away, whether it be a head covering or the type of dress that they wear, and so forth, here's my opinion. In some ways, that can be immodest. Not sensual, it's not showing the flesh, but it's immodest in the sense that it's totally drawing attention to what you're wearing. And that's the whole principle here in the Word of God. God's saying, ladies, don't dress in a manner that draws attention to your dress. Be modest. You know, dress in a way that 
people, it draws attention to your face, not to your figure, not to your, uh, not, not to your standard of living and how much that you spent and so forth. And that's exactly what the Word of God is saying. These type, adorning yourself with the, the, the hidden man, the heart, the meek and quiet spirit, in the sight of God is of great price. Verse 5, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and not afraid with any amazement. Ladies, you should be following the example of women like Sarah in the Bible. That's who you should aspire to be like. Not some Hollywood star, not some uh, HGTV uh, cooking show host that uh, doesn't dress modestly and so forth. There are people that are super popular among Christians who are celebrities who claim to be Christians, and sometimes I get frustrated whenever I see a commercial for them because they're always looking immodest. I don't care if they're your favorite person, I just wish that they, if they're not going to look modest, I wish they'd keep their Christian testimony to themselves. You say, well, that's being judgmental and pharisaical. Look, these are the things that they either bring credibility to the gospel message or they take away from the credibility of the gospel message. And that's a pretty important truth. Now, let me move on here. We'll be back in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. But I want to say this. God was the first fashion designer. Seriously. Now, he wasn't the first one that invented clothes. Adam and Eve were the inventors of clothes. But we find that what they invented was totally inadequate. They sewed some fig leaves together. And so God showed up. And in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 21 of Genesis, it says, Unto Adam also, unto his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Now, you look around in the modern church today, and one would think that the animals that the Lord used was one rabbit and two squirrels. Because <laughs> it just didn't seem like it was very much if you look at Christian church today. John Bunyan, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, long, long time ago. This is no new issue, by the way. Yeah, we've got fashion designers, and it's a, it's, it's a different world, but the problem is nothing new. John Bunyan said, why are they for going with their naked shoulders and paps hanging out like a cow's bag? Why are they for painting their faces, for stretching out their necks, and for putting of themselves unto all the formalities which proud fancy leads them to? Is it because they would honor God, because they would beautify religion and make sinners to fall in love with their own salvation? No, no, it is rather to please their own lusts. I believe also that Satan is drawn more into the sin of uncleanness by the spangling show of fine clothes than he could possibly have drawn unto it without them. Yes. 
I wonder, uh, I wonder what it was that of old was called the attire of an harlot. Certainly it could not be more bewitching and tempting that are the garments of many professing Christians in this day. That's what John Bunyan said. And I'll tell you what, when he said they got their paps hanging out like a cow's bag, you see that common. We would call that cleavage today. And it needs to be covered up if you're a Christian. It needs to be covered up if you're a non-Christian, just out of decency. Now, since I've already told you, sometimes I'm going to be speaking as a representative of the Word of God. Sometimes I'm going to speak just as a man. As a man, there are certain things, I don't care how you try to argue with it, I am a red-blooded American male, and I know when something is immodest. Cleavage is immodest. Some naked shoulders is immodest. I'm not saying all of it is, but some of it is. John Bunyan obviously thought so. I will say this, tights are underwear. Tights, leggings, cuddle duds, what else do they call them? Some of you remember cuddle duds? Never heard of it before? It was before tights even became popular. But they were something that was worn under a dress or skirt during the winter time. And you go around and you see tights. Listen, just because it's covering the skin doesn't mean that it's modest. I mean, listen, you would not think that it's modest to just slap a coat of paint on you and walk around in public. Well, that's all that, that's all that tight-fitting clothes do. It just adds color and covers the skin. But hey, you know what's You can see everything about what's behind that. It's immodest and it's sensual. And in some cases, it's disgusting. I've said before, they ought to to require you to to qualify to buy those. I don't know. I've just never thought that a... Never thought that a sack full of doorknobs was attractive. I'll never eat jello again. So, all right, seriously now. Modesty is more than just covering essential parts, modesty also speaks of the style what it associates with, or any aspect that draws attention to itself. Modesty, by definition, does not draw attention to itself. Now, the term naked or nakedness does not always mean that one is completely without clothing, but rather that there are parts of the body that should be clothed that are not clothed in a public setting. Here's an example. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.11, he said, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked, 
and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. Paul didn't say we're running around naked. We're not, they're not streaking. Right. He's saying that we don't have adequate clothing. In his case, he wasn't talking about parts being uncovered. He was just saying the clothing that we have is not adequate. Yes. That's what that term nakedness meant to the Apostle Paul. In John 21, verse number 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Peter wasn't totally without clothes on that ship. Who would want to fish with that guy? Not me. He's just simply fishing without his shirt on. And it's called nakedness. And he was okay with it out there on the ship with his buddies. But when Jesus showed up, nobody puts their shirt on before they go swimming. They take it off. But not Peter. He puts his shirt on, casts himself into the sea, and swims to shore. Why? Because he knew when I get up on the beach there, the Lord's going to be there I need to be covered. And by the way, Adam and Eve were just fine with their fig leaves until the Lord showed up. And all of a sudden, they were ashamed and they realized that they were naked. That's the problem in our culture today. That's the problem in churches today. The Lord's not present. You get God showing up there. I mean, some of these uh, women that show up to, to church in these mini skirts or skirts up to here and showing half of their thighs, uh, they can prance around in church, everything's just fine, but when God shows up, you start seeing some tugging, and that's a good thing, but it'd be even better if God showed up in their, uh, in their wardrobe, wherever they're getting dressed, whether it be in their bathroom or their bedroom or whatever, if God would show up there in their home and they would recognize that, you know what, I can't go out in public like this because I'm showing my nakedness. I'm not adequately clothed. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Parents, if you have little girls, there's not an age limit on this. Train them from day one. Don't think that they can show their immodesty and then at a certain age, you're just going to say, no, you're not going to do that anymore. Develop that shame. Shame and nakedness always are supposed to go together. Genesis 2.25, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Why? That was before sin, before their eyes were open. But afterward, there was shame. Exodus 32, 25, the people, Aaron made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. In Luke chapter number 8, we find that nakedness is associated with demons. We find that nakedness is defined as the uncovering above the top of the knees. Take your Bibles and go to Isaiah chapter 47. Now there are some 
There are some things that, um, as a man, I will look at and I'll go, you know what, that just, that, that doesn't, that doesn't seem modest to me. I can't prove it. Like I said, there's some uncovering of the shoulders that doesn't, doesn't even draw my attention to it, and then there's others that does. And it's the same way with apparel, and, um, uh, you know, there's some stuff that, I mean, I don't think that the dresses and skirts have to go all the way down to the ankles, but they certainly need to go below the knee. Having said that, ladies, parents of young ladies, keep in mind that if you have a dress or a skirt that goes to the top of the knee, and you're up here on the platform singing, and the perspective of people is below you instead of looking down, I mean, you can have a dress or a skirt that's slightly above the kneecap, everybody's looking down and they don't see your thigh. But you get up here on the platform and the perspective changes, now they can see four or five inches of your thigh. Same thing for when you sit down. You should keep that in mind. Isaiah 47, verse number one says, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. We see a connection here between uncovering the thigh or the leg and nakedness. If that verse doesn't settle it for you, then how about, uh, go to Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter number 20. Now, this is the doctrine, what I'm saying here, this is not man's opinion here. This is the doctrine of nakedness in the Bible, God's standard of nakedness. Exodus 20, verse 26 says, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. This is talking to the priest, a man. And so God's even saying to the man, I don't want you to uncover that portion above your knee, your thigh, because that is your nakedness. Exodus 28, look there with me. Exodus 28 and verse number 42 says, and thou shalt make them linen breeches, we would call those breeches, pants, to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs shall they reach. The loins, yep. the waist, down to the thighs. Yes. All right? They're supposed to reach. Why? To cover their nakedness. Yep. So there is a Christian doctrine of nakedness. Now, let me say this, and I'm not going to get into the gender aspect here tonight. In fact, I'm going to wrap things up here real quickly. I do believe that ladies, Christian ladies especially, should dress modestly and you should dress femininely. Amen. 
People should be able to recognize that you are a lady from a long ways off. And I've said this before, sometimes people get confused. Listen, we have some leadership standards here regarding the wearing of dresses and skirts as opposed to pants. Leadership standards, while you're ministering here, this is to keep the bar high. Some people have presumed or maybe drawn the wrong conclusions that this pastor is totally against any wearing of pants among women. Listen, I, I think that ultimately that needs to be your conviction and it needs to come from the Holy Spirit, not your pastor. But I will say this by way of advice. Notice, notice I'm standing, I'm not saying that this isn't, this is my opinion and this is my conviction. I do believe that as a general rule that dresses and skirts have a more feminine appearance than pants do. And even our culture recognizes that, traditionally speaking, restroom signs and so forth. It's just, it's just natural. It's not, I'm not being, I'm not drawing unreasonable conclusions here. And we're dealing not only with immodesty in today's culture and sensuality, but let's face it, a lot of the gender problems that we have today, you can't blame it all on Disney and Hollywood. What are Christians doing as salt and light to hold back the spirit of this age? I would encourage all of us, hey, let's take a higher standard. Let's take a higher road and make sure. Now, I have seen... I have seen ladies' pants, if you want. Listen, I have never thought that pink capris are that which pertaineth to a man. And as long as they're baggy enough, I've never thought that they were immodest. Listen, you can have a tight-fitting dress and skirt that's immodest and be worse than loose-fitting pink capris that just happen to have an inseam. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit should be your guide. We have leadership standards that we say, hey, if you're going to serve and minister, these are the standards of our church. That doesn't mean that we expect that you have to agree with everything. It just means you have to cooperate. Just like if you worked at a place of business, if they had a uniform or a dress standard, then you cooperate with that because they're trying to demonstrate a that we have a higher standard here. We have competency. Our spirituality is real and genuine. We're not sending mixed signals of confusion and so forth. There are things that, in all honesty, something with an inseam is more modest than a dress and a skirt. If I could use my wife as an example... We, uh, we, we both have some back issues, and so we, go, we have to have a monthly, regular schedule of chiropractic. I'm telling you, some baggy sweatpants are way more modest for her getting her back adjusted than a dress or a skirt would be. And so some of these Christians that it's like, oh, that's horrible. Well, you know what? 
that's a matter of modesty. So, you know, I'm just telling you what we do, what she does, is that when she's in an environment like that, she wants to be modest and discreet. And so as soon as we get done, we go home and she changes back into her dress or skirt because that's our conviction. Some people think that, oh, like you, you, the, the preacher thinks that everybody should wear a dress or skirt. I certainly prefer it. And I personally believe that if you would be honest and open-minded about it, you would say from a Christian standpoint, that's a pretty good preference. But as I've said a hundred times, when I'm up here on this platform, I'm pastoring, I'm trying to give you knowledge and understanding, I'm trying to help you discern through a maze of cultural and religious expectations all around us. But when I walk out of this pulpit and off of this platform, I'm not the Holy Spirit of God and I'm not your judge. And it's the absolute fact. God is my witness. Most of the time, people draw attention to how they're dressed because I'm oblivious, I'm not even, I'm not walking around with my radar looking to see how people are dressed. So, having said all that, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Ladies, that's what it's all about. You, you've, you've seen it. Maybe you've been there. I don't know. I, I have known Christian ladies that, in all honesty, the only thing they had going for them in their Christian testimony was they dressed modest. And they would wear that as a badge. Well, I've conformed. I look the part. I never wear breeches. I always wear a dress or skirt. You know, I always look kind of halfway Amish. And so I'm right with God and I'm more spiritual than everybody that's not that way. Yeah, yeah, they gossip and eavesdrop and Facebook and uh, they give give their husband a hard time all the time, wreak havoc. Filthy, filthy spirits. But outwardly, they walk in and you'd think that they're the most spiritual person. That's not what God is looking for. At the same token, the ditch on the other side is this contemporary movement that has basically taken everything that I've said here tonight and relegated that to the category of legalism and Pharisee and being judgmental and hateful. And so they are actually anti-standards, anti-convictions, anti-modesty and everything that they preach and teach in the world. And most of the people just love it because it just totally takes the pressure off of them. Well, I can't be that man. I can't be that preacher in clear conscience and still obey the word of God. The principles are right there, crystal clear. 1 Timothy chapter two and uh, verses eight 
down through verse number 10. Uh, our reference in 1 Peter was crystal clear, and that's what we need to follow and say, Lord, do you approve of how I look? Look in the mirror. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. I assure you, if you are allowing yourself to be influenced by the Word of God rather than the television, rather than the expectations of your friends or your coworkers, if that's all that matters to you, you can look in the mirror and say, Lord, how do I look? How do I look? Does this apparel, does it please you? And I'm telling you, he will, he will speak to your heart. And listen, you can say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. This is okay. That's okay. But when you walk away and you just got that twinge in your conscience that you just know that you just had to sell yourself on it, that's probably proof that the Holy Spirit's trying to lean you and teach you in a different direction. So let's follow the Holy Spirit and let's not only, ladies, be modest, but um, men, I would encourage you to promote that. I gotta, I gotta close here. But men, don't be the hypocrite that you want your Christian wife to look plain and homely so that she fits in and looks like the Christian wife at church while your tongue's hanging out. Every worldly, wicked woman out there that you see and you're surfing and looking at stuff on the internet, don't be that kind of hypocrite. Yes, Value that meek and quiet spirit. That's what ought to attract you to your spouse. Yes. And by the way, young men, if you're walking with the Lord and you're seeking a young lady that has a Christian spirit, I assure you, she'll be attractive to you. You will be attracted to her if that's what you value. And so many young men, all that they care about is the outward looks, and most of them end up, uh, end up with getting a tiger by the tail.